Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable. From abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is real life. Dr. Heather McGuire is a friend of mine. I knew her. Well, actually, I think you um, you already were a doctor when I knew you. Yeah. So I graduated uh, with my doctorate, gosh, like eight years ago. And I've known you for five. Something like is that. that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you are a doctor in? So I have a doctorate in educational psychology. Which Oh, I didn't know it was educational psychology. Yeah. So I have a PsyD. Yeah. But I say I doctor it because people are like, they don't know, they what, don't know what that is. They're like, oh, it's a PhD, basically. Uh, you know, I always, okay, these have to get close. Yes, close. Yep, yep. Um, son of a nutcracker. <laughs> okay. Um, no, so I oh, I thought I wanted to get a PsyD. Yeah. I mean, I still have time. You do. You're not that I might, old, I might go back to school. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but so d- did you not get your master's then? You went straight from BA no, to PsyD? So basically, originally I got my master's mm-hmm. in educational psychology. I see. Yeah. And then the economy was awful. That's right. I right? remember this. And I was like, you know, I was looking for a job in, as a school psychologist, okay, because I yeah. had my um, credential in school psychology and I decided to keep going to give myself you know more options. That was a blessing that you oh, didn't become amazing. a school psychologist. It was amazing. That is a crazy job. <laughs> I did for a little while. So once <laughs> I started my, you know, so I, I did three years of my master's. I went right into my doctorate mm-hmm. and I only had to go for three years to complete the doctorate. And as soon as I started in my doctorate program, then I was a school psychologist. But Sh- quickly, how much does a school psychologist, how much does that cost to get a PhD, a PsyD? Uh, I don't know how much it costs, but I have a lot of school debt, like $100,000 of school debt. <laughs> Shoot. So there you I go. think that's what like stopped me from it. Maybe it was like, well, I don't even know if I'm ever going to make this money back. Yes. But we digress. Okay. Yes. So you um, actually have your own podcast. I, I want do. you to plug that really fast. For sure. So I have Prism Parenting, P-R-I-S-M, not prison, Prism. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Listen. Parenting sometimes feels like prison. For sure. So it could be. I have to enunciate. But it is prism. (laughs) It is prism. um, Because you are also a professor at APU. Yeah. So I am a professor. I teach school psychologists, Mm -hmm. school counselors, and also uh, behavior analysts. There's that. So you are pretty good with behavior and stuff like that. Yeah. Or we would hope. I hope so. Well, unless it's my own kid's behavior, right? I could tell you all the right things to do, but. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? I feel like I like, I I actually was talking to a friend yesterday and I was like, I remember going to the grocery store and seeing that kid throwing a big fit and being like, oh, my kid would never do that because they would know the consequences of this behavior. And now my kid, I'm like, oh, you want goldfish? You could eat the whole bag as we shop to the store. Just don't scream. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Anyways, the judgment has like fallen 
falling off the side yes. when it comes to your own. Yes. Kids. It's crazy. So for sure. I think I, you know, so my background in behavior guides my parenting every day, but I'm also 100% human 100%, and I'm yeah. a, a yeller by nature. So I always have to check in with myself. I about feel that like, one. I feel like when we teach people to, in terms of like behavior management, we are able to like, look at it more scientifically and take out the emotion. Yeah. But when they're your own kids, it's very sure. emotional. You're like, ah, I told you this yes, 15 times. Yes. But like in a classroom, you're like, okay, I'm getting paid for this. Yes. Like I might be able to like, like right now, like there's no freaking stickers. You're going to do it because I yes. said you're going to do it, you know? Yes. Yeah, Anyways. I know. And I think too, sometimes we forget, you know, so, you know, looking at behavior in a very scientific way, that's what I do. And you can't just focus on the child's behavior. You also are impacted. And that by pisses me off because yeah. I want to be, I think I'm perfect and I don't need to change anything. Exactly. But if you recorded me, I bet you would be, you know, yeah. Like, shoot. She just said that to her yeah, kid. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So, you All right, know. cool. So you are a, you're a behavior analyst, I think I like at heart, like yeah. that's what you love yeah. and you all about, yep. Behavior modification. So, um, your podcast is rad. It talks about like all topics yeah. in parenting, which yeah. is yeah. This fantastic. This week it's about death. I so saw this go. one. <laughs> it's a very exciting topic yes. here. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, but it, I think that's a very important topic. Like people die. Yeah. Dogs die. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like how we we're not gonna like not yeah. talk about it. Yeah. You know? Well, and a lot of people avoid talking about it because it's such a hard topic. Uh -huh. And so I think it's, it's like the important. worst thing you can do. For sure, for sure. Um okay, so let's talk about your kids because you have yeah, some. I do. I, so, I have some uh, and I don't intend to have more. <laughs> all done. Um, all done. Two, two and done. Two and done. Yep. So I have a nine-year-old Landon. And that's how I think we met. So yeah. actually long story short is we lived two houses down from each other for we five did. years. We did. Um, and Addison, my almost nine-year-old, and then Landon, her nine-year-old, her yeah. just turned nine-year-old, um, were like buds, you know? They yeah. were three at the time. And it was nice because it was only a couple houses over and they were either playing at your house or at my house. And so yep. it felt safe, but it felt good to like give them some freedom and yeah. you know, I trusted you and I trusted yeah. your husband and yeah, everything. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then um you had your so she has an Addie too. I do, and we used yeah. to call them Big Addie and Little Addie. Yes. Until my Addie was like, I don't want to be called Big Addie. Yes. yes. <laughs> but we still kind of call her that because yeah. like they just assume. So she I has a little forever correcting my kids. Yeah, because Addie Blossom. Addie, Addie Blossom. Blossom. <laughs> That's right. Um, but so how how far in between? How what's the age gap? Two between? and a half years. So um, Addie's six. She's in first grade, and we had her. Oh, I had her. Let's be That's honest. Right. Um, wow. So we were living. We bought our house right after. Landon was born mm -hmm. in here in California. And then a year later, we decided to rent out our house, move to New York. Because that's what all um, everyone does. Yeah. You just, uh, it was you it had was not, you didn't crazy. have a, you didn't have enough on your plate. Right. Yeah. Moved there, um, got pregnant there, had Addie, and then moved back to California. I moved back into our house. Why did you, you move? We moved because Nate had an opportunity, my husband. Um, How long have you been married? 15 years this summer. That's a long time. Girl. I always say we got married when we were babies. <laughs> well, yes, Basically. because you're only now 30. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm forever 29, actually. Oh, I, I'm forever 22. Yeah, there you go. Like the Taylor Swift song. Yeah. It's my yeah. anthem. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so he had an opportunity um, with the same company he was with. He's with that company for over a decade. And they had this like accelerated leadership program. Okay. And so they, um, we agreed uh, that it was a really good opportunity for him. And so 
we did the crazy thing. We packed well, up ha- I mean, and moved. You, that's a supportive wife. I mean, it is. That's, I mean, you get married, you support each other. Yes. And it was kind of one of those things for me where we knew we were moving back. I see. So, and it so wasn't he like- needed to like get it out of the system. But I, you know, and I, I kind of stole him back from the Midwest and like we moved to California. Well, why would you move back? It, I mean, I've talked to a lot. Listen, yeah. I'm not trying to be mean, but like, dude, yeah, California is the best. It's is bomb. And I'm just, yeah. I'm not even saying that to, I'm, it's just the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's expensive. I know, but yes. like the weather is It's rad. not for everybody. I mean, lots of people like the seasons, but at, for me, I like the sunshine. I don't like clouds. I know. I know. I know. Okay. So we're sounding anyways, a little I, bougie. I, I, let's, yes, yeah, let's, I digress. Um, so anyways, we moved there knowing it was temporary. Okay. Um, got pregnant while I was out there with Addie and then had Addie and then two months after having Addie. Well, how were your pregnancies? Um, Pretty crappy. Oh, I don't okay. know. I hate being pregnant. I me too. But they, like you, they standard. were normal. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I had no, um, actually kind of, um, a little bit off topic, but I think I was, I, I think I was depressed during both of my pregnancies. Mm. Like I had mild depression, but I didn't realize it till years later because I, I didn't have postpartum. De- you know, you hear about like postpartum mm-hmm. depression, but the, the reality is when they talk about that, they're really talking about depression having to do anytime when you're pregnant or afterwards. And so for me, it was while I was pregnant, but I didn't know, even though I'm a clinician, I should know. I didn't know. Well, it's hard. I think mental illness is is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. How do you, because these are, honestly, it's, it's quite normal to have yeah. like a lot of fear and a lot of sadness. I mean, there's, it's not always exciting. No. Especially and, if you have hard pregnancies and yeah. you don't feel good, like, yeah. shoot, man. So, and I mean, I had, they're pretty standard in lots of ways. I mean, I, was sick in the beginning and whatever. But at the same time, I think like, yeah, I think it, you know, I definitely had some mild depression. And then it, for me, you know, my deliveries are both really easy. And as soon yeah, I know. And, you know, so then as soon as I delivered and both of my kids, they ended up sleeping well pretty early on. And I think that the the reason why dream, I know, but a lot of, I think in, you know, my opinion, part of a big part of the reason why it's easy to, you know, fall into postpartum is partially hormones, but also partially lack of sleep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so because, you know, I was able to get sleep more early on, I think like that I was, I escaped the postpartum, but it was, it was hard. I, I hated being pregnant. If, if you would have asked me like, okay, you can have a third child and you don't have to be pregnant. Maybe I would have said yes, but I can tell you this, like two weeks after Addie, Nate, my husband, got a, a vasectomy. <laughs> you were done. <laughs> done. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, happy to have two kids. So, but I mean, that probably was hard though, because you didn't, ha- I mean, I think, you know, it was intended that our families, extended families would be helpful when yeah. we had babies, but yeah. you were in New York, so you probably didn't have yeah, any. Yeah, we didn't have anybody. Although luckily, I, very soon after one of, the, you know, I, I look at New York and um, when we lived there, it was hard. It was you know, it was temporary, it was expensive and it was stressful. And, um, was and I was pregnant and it and was cold. Yeah. So the, all of those things made it, made it challenging. But like about a two weeks after we moved, we found a, an amazing church. And mm. so it was an like instant community for us. And so I think that was kind of the silver lining of New York is a like blessing community is finding community no matter where you live. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah, huge. yeah. But you had to step out and find it. It didn't like come knocking on your door, which no. I think is a big misconception. It was crazy. I, we were like, oh, where are we going to go to church? Like I Googled it, found it. And then, you know, we and went there went. one week and they're like, do you want to come out to lunch? You're like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. So I think that was kind of the silver lining. But yeah, we we moved back to California 
um, yeah, when Addie was about eight weeks old. And at that point, everything was still good with you in terms of your health and everything? Yeah. So I know um, one of the things that we're going to talk about today is kind of my health journey. Um, right before he moved back crazy, like it's not just about my health journey, actually Nate, my husband, um, he randomly has had a collapsed lung twice. Right. I, I remember number two. Yeah. And so <sighs> actually when Addie was two weeks old, when we were still in New York, his lung collapsed for the first time. And it's one, you know, without getting into the, like the, the, con- the condition, he's fine now, but it was just a genetic thing. Um, and the, unfortunately when we were in New York, so he was hospitalized for a few days, it's called a spontaneous pneumothorax and he was hospitalized for a few days. Um, and, it, you know, and they didn't fix it properly, which is why it happened the second I time. I see. Yeah. So that happened. And then we moved across the country again. So that's kind of like setting the stage of, you know, moving back and then moving into our house again. And it was, that was really, I mean, being in New York was stressful, but as soon as we came back, I thought things were going to be less stressful and that kind of, it amplified about, about then. So, but I had no health issues at that point. Although, so my, when I was pregnant with Addie, my dad had told me, that um so both of his sisters had had breast cancer already and um you know the whole thing with like the breast cancer gene with angelina jolie coming out and having a what's called a prophylactic double mastectomy which is really a preventative double mastectomy that was just going on and i had heard about that okay and then my dad told me that he tested positive okay um because you think of like breast cancer coming from your mom's side but the the reality is for you know genetic breast cancer come from either side okay and wait yeah i need to take notes okay okay mm-hmm. yeah so um anyways he um tested positive for a mutation on a gene um which basically we all have genes that help us fight all types of cancer okay just to kind of like understand. So it's not like I have an extra gene or something. What it is, I have a mutation on the gene that's supposed to kill cancer cells, specifically breast cancer cells. So it doesn't work. How do you, how do you do that? Wait, so you, okay. So your dad says that he had just gotten tested and he had this mutation. mutation. On the so, gene. Then so then I have a 50% chance of having it. So then point. you immediately went and got tested? No. So I was pregnant with Addie and I was like, oh. And so I started just kind of looking up the statistics and I was okay. like, wow, with this gene, if I have it, I have a like 60 to 70% chance of getting breast cancer in my lifetime. Okay. Like, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a pretty crazy, proactive type A person, as you know, Jen. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm only having two kids. And so I'm going to breastfeed, um, but I don't tend to breastfeed for very long. That's mm-hmm. another thing I hate doing is breastfeeding. Me Love my kids. too. Oh, I could talk about that for Golly. an hour just by itself. Wait, for real? Like the shaming it. of the moms who don't breastfeed is like horrific. Yes, We could is. do a whole podcast we could, on that. We okay. could. And I mean, for me, I found value in it. So I did it. Although mm-hmm. I was one of the moms who I primarily um pumped and then used bottle. But um, anyways, I was like, okay, I'll probably breastfeed for six months maximum. And when I say that, I was also supplementing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, after that, I'm going to get tested. And then if I test positive, I'm going to have a prophylactic or preventative double mastectomy. You just knew it. I just knew it. Making it happen. Exactly. Okay. So that was the crazy thing because then, so fast forward, we're back in our house. Okay. You're in California. We're in California. I just got a new job. Um, I got kind of like my dream job. Mm -hmm. I'm like running, I'm the regional director for this company for kids with autism. 
and um, I caught it. I'm excited. I, I'm just done breastfeeding. It's like January or February. And I'm falling asleep one night and um, my like Nate's already asleep. I'm like, I'm like half asleep. And then I don't even know. But all of a sudden I'm like, there's a lump in my breast. Mm. I like woke Nate up and I, I was like, is there a lump in my breast? And I woke Nate up. I'm like, what is this? Wait, hold on. Were you still breastfeeding? No, I just done. You had just, so, okay. Cause like I go to like clogged duct or like whatever, but you were oh, done. Oh, no, no, no. Like I was done breastfeeding and I thought it could be a clogged duct too. You know what I did in the middle of the night? I went and got my pump and started and trying I pumped. To- I tried to pump it out. I tried to feel like I, I, I freaked out. How big was this lump? Like the size of a pea, but maybe smaller than that. But how did you feel it? I don't even know. Like, I don't know. It's one of, for me, this whole thing, this this story is crazy. And for me, it's like uh, God was working in this situation in my life. Like, I don't know. It it was definitely a spiritual thing because I wasn't looking. I I don't check my breasts for lumps. I know, me neither. Yeah. I well, I mean, no, I do. Oh, sorry. We'll, we'll go, we'll go you there later. Come, you can come and do mine right now. We should have a full blown yes, uh, we'll check. Just, if you could see us on camera, cause you were like just touching our boobs I um, or, or me and my fake boobs at this point. Yeah. Um, me too. So anyways, I, I was like, that's weird. Um, and so I said, Nate's like, well, you should just make, he's like, it's probably nothing, but you should make an appointment. And Absolutely. I was like going to make an appointment anyway. So make an appointment with my, um, OB. OB. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, um, I want to get genetic testing done. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what's this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, by this point I kind of had like talked myself off the ledge a little bit. Like it, I, how I, long did you have to wait to get to that appointment? I have really good insurance oh, okay. and I feel really fortunate about that. I have okay. PPO insurance. Um, and I, got right in. It was fine. And okay. not everybody has that. Right. Cause that is like torture, right? Having to wait. So everything about this though is still waiting. And I, that is torture. I can almost handle anything as long as I know. I know. And it's the not knowing. I know. Cause this happened in January and I had my mastectomy in April. Right. So there's mm-hmm. still like this process. Okay. Yeah. So I go see him and I was like, um, you can know, you I want to get, yeah. yeah, check this. And he's like, and, um, this is probably, uh, well, you know this, I had already had breast augmentation at that point. And so he's like, well, it could just be like your implant. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it could be scar tissue. He's like, but, um, we'll set up also, you should get a, um, ultrasound. an ultrasound mm-hmm. and an MRI just in case. Okay. So, okay. I'm like, okay, you know, go and set that mm-hmm. appointment. So that takes a while for sure. So then yeah. like, I think we're like fast forwarding maybe like a month later, cause you can only do it certain times in your cycle and whatever. Okay. So I get that done and um, they're like, yeah, we see, we see what you're talking about. We don't really think it's anything. Okay. Um, But um, you know, they knew I was going to get tested for the gene Okay. and they're like, if you test positive, let's biopsy it for sure. If you don't, you know, whatever. Um, I'm like, okay, but they didn't, the radiologist didn't seem that worried about it. So, you know, I'm like, okay. And I I mean, I'm like, I have this like new, like high demand, high stress job. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, on to other things, you Mm know, um, and I'll make my appointment in six months, trusting the doctors and all that. So I'm like, I'm actually driving, I was driving to John Wayne airport to go to a conference and I get a call from my OB and he's like, no, we're going to biopsy it right now. And I was like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> that's how I had, um, I've had something biopsied as well in my breast and that's how it was. It was like immediate, like yeah. we're getting a biopsy. Yeah. It was You're like, not no, waiting. no question. Um, and by the way, um, I, at this point in my life, I have like a high risk gynecologist, um, and I don't have that same one, but he, I, he delivered Landon. He was my, you know, OBGYN and I just, 
am forever grateful, grateful for that man. Mm. Um, but anyway, so he was like, you know, we set up the, the, Let's do this. Um, the biopsy. Get it out. Yeah. And, um, and by the way, there was this whole like debacle. So I went to go get my genetic testing done. I got okay. it done. How do you do that? You just um, blood? They just do a quick blood draw, blood draw. Okay. and it should be like a really fast thing, but it like, it took months to get my results. I kept on like calling and calling and there was some insurance issue. And then there was some, like, I'm like, can I just, and they're like, oh, we'll tell you tomorrow. We'll tell you tomorrow. This was like over months. Okay. So anyways, I'm I, like the, the, the genetic testing situation, but then I went to go get the biopsy. Mm -hmm. And so the results of the biopsy was, I remember my gynecologist calling me with the results and he's like, so they didn't find cancer or anything, but they have, they found some atypical cells. Uh -huh. Um, it's called atypical ductal hyperplasia. You get, you get really smart. With I'm, all this, I'm like, sure science. you, oh, I know some fun science words too. Yeah. But only um, through my own yeah. stuff. And then you do a lot of Googling and then oh, oh, yeah. Google is the devil. Then you're going right? to a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, he's like, but, um, you know, so like long story short, um, at that point, once I found out I had those atypical cells, I, you know, found out that usually like 60 year olds have these atypical cells okay. and I was 29. Mm -hmm. So it's just really weird. So even though I didn't have confirmation yet that I was positive for that gene mutation, mm -hmm. I was like, clearly I have the gene mutation. I don't even need to know. Like if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have these atypical cells. Okay. And so what they would typically do is like do a bigger biopsy at that point, like a lumpectomy type of biopsy mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. bigger to make sure there's no cancer around mm -hmm. it. But instead I was like, no, I think I just want to get the the mastectomy. I'm like, I remember asking my doctor, I'm like, am I crazy? Even though I don't know that I have the gene for sure, like I'm still like fighting with these people to give me my results. Um, and I was on a deadline a little because my insurance was going to change over because of, you know, and I wanted to keep my same insurance um, to, you know, to, I had all the doctors I wanted mm -hmm, and all that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I crazy with these atypical cells to just get the mastectomy? Because then I, because I found out like, if, if you had those atypical cells, then your lifetime risk was already like 40 to 50%. And I was like, so even if I don't have the gene, I'm screwed basically. Um, and my doctor's like, no, like that's fine. I think that that's a good, I, I think that what you're saying is a total logical thing. Um, so anyways, the day before my double mastectomy, I found out that I officially found out I tested positive for the gene, but it literally like, it was like three months later. It was crazy. So how was it for you though? So this sounds like a very stress. You just, you just said you started yeah. a new job. You have a two yeah. and a half, you have a three-year-old. Yeah. So I have a, a kid in preschool with a language delay, great. you know, and, um, you know, and that's hard and enough. Love Landon. Um, and he, these, you know, recently this year he had, uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD. So okay. he has always had some, you know, behavior challenges and then add in kind of that language delay initially. Yeah. And so he's a sweet kiddo, but he was not an easy three-year-old. Okay. Uh-huh. And, um, and then I have a baby. How old is this baby now? How so Addie was, um, when I had my surgery in April, she was like nine months old. Did you find it oh, like, like, did you, f I, I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes. Yeah. Like, could I could see myself like just being so focused on trying to like get my own shit together that like, yeah. I'm not really being the like best mom I can be. Cause I'm just trying to survive right now. Yeah. Like, did you, how oh, was it? It was crazy. Cause I was also working an hour away from my house. And so it was, I, I could you not, like, I don't remember this year of my life other than these, like the details that I'm sharing today about, like, I, I don't really remember parenting that year. And like, I do remember this. So 
by the way, so basically what happened after the mastectomy and I'm recovering, it takes a mm-hmm. few weeks to recover from a okay. mastectomy. A few days later, my doctor calls me and I, I entered the surgery thinking it was at least like maybe a 5% chance that I would have breast cancer. Yeah. Found out after the fact that, oh, lucky me, I did have breast cancer. Didn't need further. I didn't need like, um, you know, uh, radiation or, or anything like that. Although I did end up having to have a quick second surgery a week after my initial surgery so they could get clean lines. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, Wait, they went in and took out all the breast tissue and then they had to go back. So interesting when you get um, a preventative mastectomy, it's a little different because they shell out like your tissue on the inside, but they leave your tissue on the outside. Okay. And then, you know, as soon as, but the, the thing is, and the reason why I felt that lump was very close to the surface of my skin. I see. And so they wanted to get like a clean margin. So I had to go so that they could get that clean margin. Is your body even recovered enough to have another? No, I have drains. So when you have a mastectomy, like it's gross, but you have these like drains of like blood Blood and and pus and and all that fun stuff that you get to empty every few hours. And I still had, I mean, you have that for several weeks. Um, And so I I have all that going on. And, you know, so my doctor was like, he was surprised. I could tell he was surprised that I had, he was, you know, he felt bad because, you know, he was like, there's, you don't have cancer. Then clearly I Uh I did. I had stage zero, which is means that the risk of it coming back is very low and all of that. And it was totally encapsulated in my milk ducts. Okay. Okay. And when they had that second surgery, the lines were fine. They didn't find anything and it was good. Um, but, um, but yeah, like in, I do remember kind of like coming back to your, your comment about parenting, I do remember in the midst of like this recovery, like I couldn't lift, I, I felt like an incompetent parent. Okay. I, you know, I, I could not lift my baby. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, and we had a, a nanny um, and my husband was, you know, around, but he was traveling a lot for work those days. And, um, you know, I just remember being there, like sitting on the couch and just like zoning. Yeah. Because I mean, what you just start to think to yourself, like, what kind of mom, you know, the, can't the shame of this? Yes, and so you isolate yeah. because you're like, well, and I mean, could I have, you know, in in each of those moments, I could have been like, hey, you know, Nate, can you get Addie and put her on my lap? But then I just felt stupid. Like, I, why can't I, you know? So, I, I, I at the time, you know, I just remember just distancing myself as a parent, like numbing out. Yeah, numbing out for sure. Um, And so, um, you know, it's complicated, but I ended up having, um, you know, so I didn't have to have further treatment, Mm -hmm. but in the, in the series of like nine months, I had six surgeries. Wait, then what? (laughs) So I was always having surgery or recovering from a surgery basically. So, cause when you have the BRCA gene, then you're also at risk um, for ovarian cancer, which is very deadly. And so I was like, well, screw that shit. Like take, take them, them out. out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I got those taken out. Um, and then, you know, usually when you, you know, I don't know, they found like a random cyst in my neck. They're like, take, we want to take that one. out." Like anytime. So if you go through a traumatic health situation, anything like I could get like a freckle on my arm and think it was cancer, you know? Oh, I, yes. Yeah. And also my job at the time, like I learned so much in that job. Um, but it was super stressful. It was the most stressful job. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it was, well, obviously it was partially because of my health situation. It was compounded, but. Yeah, but well, I, um, 
I found out that the person who ended up replacing me later, who I, so I quit the job and I'll, I'll get to that part of the story. It did, I mean, not that I feel like happy that this happened to the guy, but the guy who replaced me like started having panic attacks. I'm sure. Because no. the job was stressful. So stressful. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyways, yeah, I like that year of parenting. And so kind of like the crux of the situation was like this. So, um, you know, the initial mastectomy was in April. I had a surgery. I had a few surgeries like between then and like during that summer. September, I found out that our nanny, who was basically like my, you know, child, she'd been our nanny for several years. How old was she? Um, like low twenties. Okay. Um, but she was like a friend to you too, right? I mean, she lived with you guys and helped you in this time Um, with Addie. Yeah. And we found out she was stealing from us. And that, like, I mean, the money part, you know, is, is annoying. Um, but it's just like the the feeling, like I was going through all this and then the person who, like I trusted more than almost anyone, right, was stealing from me. That and is so violating and so painful. It was. It was. It was very, and I mean, to this day, like you would think I would hate her. I don't hate her. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, it was really sad. Um, so I suspected it. We, um, and then I kind of like had confirmed it before I even talked to her. And, um, and then once she kind of admitted what happened, it was just, you know, um, I, I, I love you, but we're done. Yeah. You like, can't, you can't stay here. Yeah. yeah. You, you know? And so, um, so we let her go and then I tried to find a replacement for her. And again, in the midst of this surgery and that surgery. So the first replacement, um, ended up like, you know, moving to our area to be our nanny. And then she got like homesick. And so she moved back. And then the second person, um, basically ended up changing careers. And so this is like, and I, I had only started the job, like this job, I only had it for a year. I had started it in January. And I just remember like, kind of like that pinnacle moment for me mm-hmm. was that Landon was playing on the floor. So we had just had heard from this, you know, there's a late, the nanny who stole the next nanny. And then the next nanny, that this third nanny was like, had just said, you know, had given us her notice. And, um, she had only been with us for like a month or two. And she like, was like, Oh, I, you know, I want to do this other type of job. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and Landon was playing with her on the floor. And he couldn't remember her name. It was like, he's like, hey, you know, and he said our first nanny's name. And then he said the second nanny's name. And then like, I, that was like, it's such a defining moment for me because I was like, you know, and I've always been super type A and I have a doctorate and I had landed during my yeah. doctor program and yeah. I was doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to quit my job. Mm. Like I just, in that moment, I just knew. I needed to. And everybody who knows me was like, you're doing what? Yeah, yeah. totally. It was a total crazy thing. But I, I told, I remember telling Nate and he's like, what? Yeah, I already told you how much like school debt I have. I went to yeah. college for 10 years. And I mean, by the way, I never completely like quit, quit. The company who I quit, I quit on good terms with. Right. And they hired me to do some assessments. So right. I got to play, instead of just like hiring and firing people, which is like a lot of what I was uh-huh. doing, I got to play with little two-year-olds with autism. Yeah. Right. And then, um, I was still, I was an adjunct professor right. already. I was yeah. Doing, you weren't leaving your family high and dry. No. Right. No. But like, right. So like Landon sitting on the floor and he like, doesn't even like, he's basically being raised by these nannies and you're like, wait a minute. What is like, going what on? Is happening? Like, I just need to take. And so in that moment, like in, in kind of in hindsight, I needed to heal like physically. Absolutely. Yep. I needed to heal like 
emotionally, I was having heart palpitations and anxiety and not that like I never have anxiety, but like I never had the physical symptoms. Right. This was, this was very heightened. Yeah. And then like spiritually I was disconnected. And then like, you know, just like with my kids, I, I, I felt like I had missed that entire mm. year of their life. Yeah. And so I was like, I quit. I'm done. I'm going to quit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I have a very supportive husband. And yeah. once he kind of got over the initial, like you're doing what? <laughs> Cause everybody was surprised. Yeah. He was like, okay. Yeah. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. And honestly, um, and you know, I always joke around like, you know, I, I mean, I, I love my kids. I, you know, I, and I was working part-time, I was home part-time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I always say like, uh, you know, I love being with my kids, but it's way harder to stay it home with them than to go very, to work. Very difficult. You know, you know, the thing, yeah. But the thing is about staying home with your kids um, and then like going to work, going to work is easy. The problem is most moms like me yeah. and you, because we're so tight, type A. Um, and we just, we do it all. So not only are you working full time, but then you're also doing the grocery shopping and the laundry and the cooking and the, this and that. So it's like having two full-time jobs because no one really helps on the other end. Right. So, I mean, um, yeah, but being at home is not easy because you don't get any validation. Your kids aren't like, wow, thank you so much for all your sacrifice today. It's like, I am hungry. You know, know, it's not like, um, yeah. yeah, And especially of littles, um, it's, it's really tough, but yeah, you know, I think I feel a a lot of moms, there's guilt no matter what you do. Yeah. Stay home. Stay home. You're guilty. Stay, go to work. You're, it's all, it's, so it's hard. It's all hard. Then you throw in health issues. Then you throw in marriage. Jeez, it is hard, man. It is. Um, I feel very fortunate. Like you, you know, Nate, he's a very supportive husband and he helps a ton. Yeah, he is. I mean, there have been times in his work life that he's traveled for like eight weeks straight. Right. You know, single mom and over there. and And I'm like, Oh, and it's like, you know, it's, it's this, like he's home, he helps with everything. And then all of a sudden he's gone for all two by months. Yourself, you know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't gone, like actually, right. gone, but he was I home know, on the yeah. weekends. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah so it's a lot. It, it Moms. I mean, this, this, I mean, gosh, I feel like it's a whole nother podcast talking about how moms are trying to juggle the love that they have for their careers and then the love that they have for their children and how you're always feeling like you have to choose. And when you pick your kids, you feel like you're not choosing yourself. Right. But then you're selfish for doing the work thing. I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's all hard. Um, but I, I, I think it was brave of you to reach a point. And now I feel like if you, if you look at where your life is now, it was the right decision. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, I mean, it's not like I would like go back and be like, I'm so happy I, I had cancer. Like obviously right. not. No one, right. But at the same time, for me, that moment was such a defining moment mm-hmm. and that year and then where I went from there, you know, and by the way, a year after I quit my job, you know, or whatnot, I started working in the job that I have now. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a, it was a moment. It was a season. Um, and I have a very flexible schedule now, but I, I technically have like a normal, like full-time job. I'm right. a professor and, um, you know, and, but it was like, it was that season of, you know, needing to take care of myself, mm-hmm. needing to focus on my kids. And, um, you know, I, I don't think not that I would want to have cancer, but I, I feel like I, that was, all the decisions that were made after that and, you know, where my life is today, 
I, you know, look back and see the good in the midst of all that struggle. I mean, if you can't find goodness out of that crazy, then you'll go insane. I mean, I I think that being able to look back and see all of those positives, like how now you were able to spend more time with Addie, even though you kind of lost that, you know, handful of months in there, you're, you're kind of making up for it, being able, and that's a choice that you made. Like I'm choosing to stay home even though it's really hard, Yeah, (laughs) but like, you know, I want to be there for my kids and I'm seeing the, you know, and that's the thing with health, right? Like you get down to the nitty gritty, what really matters and what really doesn't. Yeah. And, um, family really, really matters. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because, you know, like for example, what what is like consuming my stress these days? It's like, oh, we're redoing our floors. Should I pick this wood or this wood? Right. right? Uh But then the moment you have an issue with your health or someone in your family's health, like none of that matters. 100%. Sometimes it's a blessing to have something like that happen because yeah. it, it makes, it puts things into perspective very quickly. It does. If you could give anybody like, I don't know, any advice or any hope or any, anything that maybe they're going through something like this, where they feel like their life is falling apart at the seams. I mean, it's health and then it's the job and then it's the kids and then it's the this and they, do you have any advice or any, anything you could yeah. share? I mean, I think that life is full of seasons. And Mm. so when you're in the midst of a really challenging season, it feels like it's just forever. It does. And, um, for me, that was like a long season of hardship. Um, but now, you know, as I look back, I'm in the best season of my life right Mm -hmm. now. And I don't know what tomorrow holds, That's right. but, um, but you're damn well going to enjoy it while it's lasts, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I think there's that. And then I think it's really important to lean on, you know, to have a village and to lean on the support of your friends. I don't think I actually did a very good job of that. Yeah. Kind of like in retrospect. I mean, I had people giving me meals and all of that, but I I don't easily accept help from people. Me neither. Yeah. Um, and I think it's that, you know, that mom thing of like, I can do everything. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I, I don't think, and this is, you know, digressing again, but I don't think that we were meant to do kids and family alone. No. Like all these other cultures that have like grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle like yeah. living close to them or like yeah. even in their home, they all help. Yeah. Like there is this cute little family that lives yeah. in Pacific Grove yeah. down the street and they're from Nepal. Yeah. And the grandpa takes the little kids every day, twice a day to the park. And I think to myself, that mom gets reprieve two times a day by right. someone who really who just enjoys spending time with yeah. the little kids. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Instead, where these moms are stuck at home yeah. day in and day out yeah. thinking that they're supposed to do it all. Yeah. And I think part of that is that kind of our, you know, and I mean, I, I have um, parents who live uh, less than an hour away and they, they are like super helpful and everything. But I think our society is so, you know, it's forcing us to work till like, you know, later parts of our, our life. And so like, for, for example, for me, even Mm -hmm. though my, you know, parents are in involved in, in in my life and my kids' Mm -hmm. life, you know, uh, they, they're super busy. They're still working full time. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're still working. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. I'm just, I I think that it's, I think that's a great point is to the earlier in life that you learn to find your people. Yeah. 
and love them and let them love you, the more fulfilled your life is. Again, be very careful who your people are. Yeah. Are they giving you life or are they? Like not yeah. all, I, I've said this in a, in a past, past podcast and it's like not all good people, not all nice people are safe people. Yeah. Not all good people are safe people. You have to find your safe people. Yeah. When you find your safe people, hold on tight, love yeah. them and let them love you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it took me a long time too because, you know, I, I felt like I was a failure. It was very shameful yeah. to ask for help. For sure. I was taught that we don't ask for help. You don't, no one needs to know that Right. You can't handle it or whatever. Right. You're supposed to, I mean, our, you know, our, our culture. And then especially, I think it's, you know, a good example. If we look on social media and things like that, it's like always, you know, put, put on the face of perfection. That's right. Yeah. And it's bullshit. It is. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. I mean, honestly, like life is hard. It's hard. Stuff like this happens out of nowhere. Boom, you're yeah. hit. And now it's like all hands on deck. How are we yeah. going to work? How are we going to survive? Right. Yeah. And I think that the more we get good at handling the waves, because they're coming, like yeah. it's not like, and then one day, like, oh, everything's fine. You know, I think it's interesting the timing all, of all this. So mm. I had just moved back to California. Mm. And I mean, I, I had, you know, friends here, but I wasn't. So these days I have like, you know, my people. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I would have gone through this today, Mm. you know, I mean, I I definitely had supportive friends and family and whatever, but I think that I'm in a different place today, like in terms of my relationships. Mm -hmm. Like I know that if this happened, you know, to any of my group of friends, you know, it would, what the outpouring would be from any of our friends Mm -hmm. that would, you know, be able to help that person. But I think I was a little bit more, you know, isolated and obviously like my two or three good friends, they couldn't do everything. right? Right. So, yeah. Um, well, I appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough season. I mean, just being a new just being a mom of a little baby is hard enough. It is. It <laughs> and then is. you add and you pile on all these things. So I appreciate your vulnerability. And so if anybody wants to chat with you about yeah. parenting, about you know, any, you know, maybe they're struggling with the same sorts of things. Maybe they have questions about the, you know, breast cancer or the genetic components to it, or I don't know, maybe they just want to talk to you. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, so my, my podcast, like I said earlier is prism parenting. And then my website is prism behavior. And I always tell my listeners, you know, whether it's, they have things they want me to talk about in the podcast, or if they have parenting or behavior issue questions, Mm -hmm. or, you know, I've always wanted to, um, you know, as, as someone who's a, someone who has, had genetic breast cancer, mm. you know, and it was weird, you know, to be 30. Most, most people who have genetic, this mutation, they don't get breast cancer when they were 30. I was just super unlucky apparently. Um, but anyways, uh, or lucky depending on how you, right. right? Cause they yeah. found it. Yeah. Um, but I've always wanted to kind of, you know, if, if there was somebody out there who happens to listen to this, who is also, you know, BRCA positive or whatever, and they wanted somebody to talk to, I would totally be that person. So you can email me at heather at prismbehavior.com and I'll, always respond. Um, you can find me on Instagram, prism behavior. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love to connect with people and, um, my, my podcast is all about parenting and everything, you know, from, you know, kids who tantrum and how to motivate kids to, you know, talking to your kids like this week about death. <laughs> right. Um, and do you guys do any like 
have you ever done like one-on-one parenting? Is yeah, that so part I'm of not, it? I'm not doing parent coaching right now, oh, but okay. I do have something exciting. Oh, okay. we, oh, yeah, cool. we have a parenting course. Oh, cool. Um, so I, I've created a parenting course and it's really for parents who have kids, let's say, who are like preschool age to early elementary. Okay. And it's actually, so you can find out more about it on my website. Um, and then in the next few months, I'll be opening the course for enrollment. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's That's a self-paced exciting. course. Parents can go and watch videos and there's like corresponding worksheets. And then of course, like I'm always here to answer questions so people can connect with me, which That's is cool. fantastic. Yeah. So Actually. it's called Parenting with Confidence. Ooh, I'm in confidence. Yeah. yeah. All right, girl. Well, I appreciate you being here. Yeah. Love you so much. Yeah. Thanks Until for next having time. Me. Yeah.